millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name's Rich Spate and I'm joined down the line um, to look over Sunderland's 5-1 defeat away at Rotherham this weekend uh, by Paddy Hollis. How are you, Paddy? Not too bad, Rich. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm realising that I'm getting a habit of only coming on these podcasts when we get beat. So I think <laughs> I, need to, I, need to get, I need to get out of that habit because... Yeah, it's uh, getting a bit tedious now, to be honest. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully you can bring a little bit of positivity, maybe towards the end of the pod. We'll see. Um, and we're also joined by editor Gav. How are you, Gav, this morning? Uh, a little bit better than I was walking out the ground at 4-1 down <laughs> yesterday, Rich. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to talk about it. We can't just do these podcasts when we win. We, have, we do have to sit here and talk about how shit we are sometimes, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Well, we were going to do a reaction pod, but I, unfortunately, I, I left the ground after 35, 40 minutes. And let's get on to possibly half the reason why I had to leave after 35, 40 minutes. And some of the stuff that's gone on, you know, it's been all over social media in the aftermath of the game. And it's not the game itself. It's what was going on in the stands and around the game and the behaviour of our fans, to be frank. Um mm. So like I, I had to leave. My son was feeling very intimidated. He didn't feel very well. He didn't feel very safe in the middle of a load of pissed up, coked up assholes. To be frank, um, yeah, and that's that's exactly what it is, Rich. And and got to call it out for what it is. Exactly. I mean, I've been going to football for thirty two years. I've been I've stood in the Roker end. I've stood in the Fulwell end. I've been in the Stadium of Light since it, the date opened. I've been to many away games up and down the country. And that, I'm not, no hyperbole, that was the worst atmosphere, the worst behaviour I've ever experienced at a football match. And, I mean, it started from before the game started, didn't it? I mean, the the what really set the tone was the chanting and shouting out during the minute silence for remembrance, which just shows the level yeah. of disrespect that some of the people who came down to that match showed. I mean, Gav, you were there. Was it, I was in a slightly different part of the stand to you. Was it the same um, leading up to the game and you know before kick-off where you were? Yeah. Well, to be fair, when we got into the ground about, I don't know, an hour before kick-off, and the, the atmosphere was pretty good in the in the concourse. Mm-hmm. We were still having a pint. Everyone was singing as they do. You know. On from that, we went up to the seats about five minutes before kick-off because we knew they were doing a remembrance parade, 
I mean, I don't know whether people just weren't aware in the concourse or what, but all you could hear was our fans singing. Mm. And then, as you, uh, uh, that's not me making an excuse for it because you could hear it in the stands as well. Yeah, people shouting out, "How oh, are Sunland?" and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? All you got to do is be quiet for a minute. And I, I think we we generally pride ourselves on being a pretty respectful bunch of fans. Yeah. Like you know, if that was at the stadium of light, it wouldn't happen. And obviously, for whatever reason, this particular game has just drawn out some of the biggest arseholes in the fan base who, for whatever reason, have just treated it like a, like a fucking cup final or something. I don't know whether it's because Tuesday was so good or what. Wait. But every... I mean, there were some zombies walking around there under the concourse even before the game, like, absolutely off their face, some people. And I don't know whether that's what it was, but... Wait. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to excuse it. It's pathetic. There was clearly a lot of white powder going around, and I'm not just talking about the kids as well. Actually, the worst behaviour around us was blokes in their 50s and 60s, off their faces. You know, I'm not a prude when it comes to drink, whatever, other substances. <laughs> I, can't, I can't look at myself in the mirror and say I've not, not been there myself on occasions, but it brings out the worst in people, the behaviour, the language. Just that, like, what, what really got me was I was standing, sitting and standing in the corner on the left closest to their fans, and... Like people go, like travel to the match, paid a match ticket, and are spending the game looking at their fans, shouting absolutely vile stuff, and just causing mayhem. And we, I mean, well, no, let's let's sorry, mate, but in but you're saying vile stuff. I mean, chanting pedos over and over that went on quite a lot, quite loudly. It's madness. I mean, come on, man, what the fuck? There's, there, there could be kids, there could be people around you in in the stand who've suffered abuse yeah. and I mean there was just no regard for other people going on like I mean like I say stuff goes on at matches and sometimes you just look past it but uh, like some of the worst stuff was there was kids there there was kids actually standing watching and hearing and yeah. seeing all of this and your son's one of them like you just said yeah. he was he's only a young boy and he, he he didn't feel comfortable no and that that's not what going to the match should be it should be welcoming it should be a it should be a real experience for kids but it should be like Something they want to do again. They should not want to come back. I'm not naive. Like, I know I've taken him to away games from the first game he ever went to. was an an away game. He thoroughly enjoyed it. Great atmosphere down at Shrewsbury. You know, I've taken him. He loves being in amongst the fans down at Wickham. um, The other year, right in the middle of the fans, right in the middle of the stand, singing his heart out the whole game. I'm not naive when it comes to what it is to go to an away game with a kid. Younger than, you know, he's the oldest he's ever been going to the match yesterday. And he didn't feel safe. He felt, and it made, it made him feel ill. And, and I had to take him out. And I've never left, never, ever. You know, you said you left at 4-1. I would have been there till 5-1 till the end of injury time. I've never, ever left a football match before the end of the game. And one of those fans who stands and goes, oh, where the fuck are you going? When people are leaving yeah. with 10 minutes to go, right? I've never... In 32 years, left a football match. And that's why we want to get it out of the way now. I mean, sorry, Paddy, I know you you weren't you weren't there, but I'll bring you in just like, I don't know what, if you've ex- experienced stuff at the match this year or in previous years. that Because what we've been talking about a lot in our groups is whether there's been a bit of a t- deterioration or what, you know, you're a journalist, what you might kind of pin it on, you know, what what's going on because it, it hasn't been like this before. You know, obviously, hearing like what you lads have said, and obviously, as I said, you know, a lot of it's been said on on social media as well since yesterday, and it's just, it, it's hard to really pinpoint because I mean, you know, I've been to 
I've been to watch us in, you know, I've been to away games in Premier League Championship and League One. And to be honest, I, me personally, I've never experienced this firsthand. But you were saying, Rich, you know, you go to, you pay good money to have an away day and then you go and stand and then just shout abuse and just shout ridiculous things at the home fans. And it's like, I mean, one, it doesn't paint the club in a very good light because I know people always say, you know, you can't talk to everybody with the same brush. But the thing is, a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. You know, when some of these Rotherham fans, you know, when they go into work on Mondays, you know, they'll get asked, oh, how was the match? Oh, well, you know, the Sunderland fans were just like, just hurling abuse. And, you know, it was probably less than 1% of the people who were there. But the thing is, that's like a lasting impression. And I know that we don't need to go around and like make a big deal about, oh, look at how, like, look at how good our fans are. But fact is that we do travel well and 99.9% of our fan base away from home is outstanding and they always paint us in a good light. But the problem is, it's this fraction. They're going to continue to do this because, I mean, if anybody who took part in any of this like, ridiculous behaviour yesterday, I mean, if they are going to listen to this podcast, I mean, it's, it's not going to change. It would be great if they did change how they approach things but let's be honest I, I don't think it will and the problem is it's it's figuring out how to how to stop it because mm-hmm. you know it, I feel like it's something which has kind of slowly crept into probably not just just suddenly you know I think just away days in general I, I don't know where don't know where it's coming from but like it's sort of it's gone beyond this idea of just like having a few cans on the train and yeah. you know, having a laugh and going to these new towns I mean you, you shouldn't need lines to go to a football game, no. I just don't understand it. And yeah, I mean, it's th- this is the first time where I've kind of heard firsthand from, you know, obviously yourselves and on social media just about how bad some of our fans were. And it kind of makes the results, it, it, the result doesn't matter because oh. when you're going away and you've got fans going on like this, it's it's a shame the football doesn't matter, but the football's why we go there. Wait. And when it's getting to the point where the football doesn't matter, then what's the point anymore, you know? Well, the worst incident, I think, um, happened after the match, which was a young eight-year-old Rotherham fan, a girl called Scarlett, was hit in the eye by a 50-pence coin thrown by one of our our fans at one of their fans, missed the, the, the intended target and nearly took this girl's eye out. She could have been, she could have lost her eye. You know, thankfully, it it, it it's, fucking, it's ridiculous that, like, isn't it? It's it, sorry, like, it just fuck me, man. What what are people doing? You know, and that's the kind of thing. You know, there's been this campaign. There was a, a really good campaign by the Scottish government recently around misogyny and asking people to tell their supposed mates to get in line. And I think there's a responsibility that stands on all of us to turn around and and say, yeah. "What? Pipe down, shut up, wind your neck in, and chill out a bit." You know, I've had to say, yeah. I've had to say, a couple of years ago on the on the way back from where was it, Bolton, when we had that horrible one-one draw, last minute one-one draw, I had to stop this lad going over and lamping a Bolton fan for no reason, just saying, look, there's kids here. You know, you're doing it's ridiculous. A, but a, Gav, I'm, you've you've got something you want to add in as well. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit ashamed to say that I didn't call something out that I should have yesterday when McGeady got sent off, and I know we'll come onto the game. Yeah. But when McGeady got sent off, it was a black player that he tackled. And there was a fella, the end of our row, honestly, he, he wasn't even ashamed. He was screaming, you bastard, you, pointing at him, loud as, he was off his face like, me and my mates just looked like, what the fuck? What? And then my mate, I'm going to have to say something, yeah. And uh, the bloke disappeared, he went further along the, along the row. And I've got his face imprinted on me, I see him at loads of away games. I know who the bloke is, I just don't know his name. I wish I did. 
because nice. I couldn't believe that. And then just to tap, just to top it off, when we did leave at four one, we're coming out the ground, and the police sort of di- diverted the Sunderland fans away from the Rotherham fans and down a down a path back towards the coaches. Yeah, and we were walking along there, and there was a metal. You know those perimeter fencing that you get at events and stuff, the metal fencing? Yeah, yeah. There was about 20, 20 Sunderland fans, like, rabid, screaming, pulled this fence over, like, to the point... These fences are pretty strong, but there was about 20 of them on this fence just to get it over. Once they got it over, they'd done nothing. There was Rotherham fans stood at the other side in the car park, and they just stood there like a bunch of Muppets. Now, what what was that? We Honest, I've never... I'm, I'm with you, Rich. I've never felt so embarrassed at a game. I thought it was bad the other week when I went to the 23s game and there was, I heard a load of racist crap there and this was another level. It needs calling out for what it is. You bang on what you said before. The fact we've spent, what, 13, 14 minutes just talking about this crap no. is galling really. But if we don't do it, who's going to? Because as a fan base, we need to call this shit out for when we see it. And I'm a little bit ashamed I didn't point that bloke out to a steward. And um, had he been sat right next to us, I might have dealt with yeah. it differently. But I mean, it didn't even shock anyone around us apart from me and my mate. My mate... My mate, it's like pretty, you know, like you said before, we're no angels ourselves, you know, we, we've all done stuff we regret and all that, but we're, we're stood there, we've been on the drink all day, just like everyone else has, but we're, we're sober enough to watch the game, we're not mortal drunk like some people were, and we're looking at each other and we're like, what have I just heard? Like, can can you believe there's a bloke stood screaming that out of play? And it, did, it wasn't just once, it was like multiple times, and it carried on, he, but he, he was, it wasn't racist at that point, he was just calling him a cheat every time he touched the ball. Mm. It was just weird, mate, like, uh, I'm a bit lost for words with it, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, we've said our piece. We're as passionate fans of this club as as anyone else. No better, you know, in in many ways than than other fans. But, you know, we're not going to be quiet about this and about other things, about the racism, about the sexism, about the crap that goes on around football because it is a powerful way that people get together and influence each other and... Like I said, it's not just the kids, and that's the that's the scary thing as well. Yeah, it's scary when it's teenagers, but he got blokes as my dad's age, you know, going on like like they've never touched a, a drop before. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so let's get on to that. Uh, I think we're, let's get on to something think, even more. I think I think there. we're avoiding it, aren't we? <laughs> In some ways, yeah. it's uh, what's called tron- transference. Um, yeah, so the game itself. Um, it kicked off and straight away, for me, it was pretty clear that um, that this was a different order of uh, team that we're up against. They're a much better yeah. side than we've played yeah. probably so far. Even the games that we have lost, these were decent. They put us under pressure straight away. We hardly had a touch, really, and it was no surprise when they took the lead. Paddy, you've, uh, you've been looking at the goals, and I know Gav has as well, but it was... a it was a funny one, that first one, because Winchester seemed well out of position and then couldn't get back. Um, and then there was just now in the middle. What did you think of it? For me, that, that first goal, what was probably the scariest part was how, you know, we sort of like, it looked like we might have like dealt with the attack, you know, that hadn't their, their full-back, he's, he's picked up the ball like sort of, you know, halfway towards the halfway line in a pretty, you know, inconspicuous position. And then one pass just rips mm-hmm. us in two. You know, and like so you can see, like you know, from you can see from a mile off. You know, you can see the run what their lads gonna make. It just it bypasses like two, three of our players. This season, I feel like you know, we, me personally, I think we've been building like quite a good sort of defensive unit, and I just feel like you know, within sort of the first 
15, 20 minutes down at Rotherham. It was just like everything just got just got chucked in the bin. Any kind of blueprint mm-hmm. we had just just went. Mm-hmm. Like all, early all, doors. all four defenders were paddy, all four of them were culpable here, like mm-hmm. just and we, we we've sat here and we've sat here an awful lot and praised them and we've got a you know, we've got a point out when they're not doing their jobs properly. And you can probably look at Dejaku and think, why is he not pressing the man? But he is quite, like you've just said, he's not exactly in a dangerous position when he picks the ball up. It's, it's Shane Ferguson who's got the ball. Um, and because he doesn't press, and Winchester is a mile out of position, it just leaves a huge gap in that left in that right-back spot because the rest of the defensive line are quite deep. So all of a sudden, we've just given them like quarter of the pitch to play into. Yeah. It's, it's really frustrating to watch. Um, and it's Ledapo who picks the ball. To be fair to him, I've never seen him work that hard in a game against us. He's usually awful. But the most criminal thing for me was because Winchester was out of position, it forces Flanagan across to try and cover the space, and he's really deep as well. So Doyle and Sirkin are just stood like mugs in the middle of the box. Not one of them is marking the the centre forward. Who, how are you? They must have done their research on this guy. He's the top scorer in the league. He scores an awful lot of headers. He's about six foot five. Nobody's marking him, and. Ladapo just plays this most simple chipped cross to his head and he just nods it in mm. and it's like whatever work we've done all week has gone out the window at that point mm. because they must have looked at the fact they're so good at getting the ball into wide position with their fullbacks and that they're so good at putting the ball in his head and what was it five minutes in the game ten minutes in the game mm. it's criminal isn't it the marking in the boxes it's horrible you look at like you know I, I took a, a like I paused it on this one second I didn't even do it sort of intentionally but it shows like um, they had a lad at the back post in loads of space as well. If the if the goal scorer's not getting on the end of it, then they've got another attacking player unmarked in the box to to finish it off. And it's just like no, we shouldn't be giving teams you know, especially like promotion rivals, we shouldn't be giving these teams like the chances to to have so much time and space to get on the end of crosses in our box. And I think it, it just sort of. I think it sort of set the tone, hasn't it? Really, that the the way we defended that first goal it just kind of set us up for just a really shit afternoon. I think I was a little bit disappointed as well with uh, O Nine and Dan Neil because they just they don't try and cover the space that we've lost. Mm-hmm. So there's a big gap between them two. So they're, they're camped on the edge of the box even when the cross goes in. Uh, so when the ball goes to that one, the wing, they're, they're camped in there, and and O Nine sort of realizes and tries to get across, but I mean it's too late by that point. I just think as a team, organisationally, that was very poor and we showed a little bit of inexperience there in that in that moment and we've got to be better. Like We, we will get better, I know we will, but I think I think that goal and as we'll come on to many of the other goals showed that we're, we're maybe missing somebody with a bit of height and a bit of aerial prowess in the box because every time we come up against these big centre-forwards, they, they take advantage of the fact we're not very good in the air and, I mean... Tom Flanagan's been brilliant this season, but he was poor in that goal for me. Yeah, and uh, I also thought, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to other goals as well. I thought um, Calvin Doyle, as is going to be the case, because he's, he's only a kid, he showed his inexperience a lot a lot of the time as well uh, during the game. Mm. But um, we did get back on level terms. Um, you know, it, it was very much against the run of play, but we broke away. Lovely ball through uh, from... Um, from Dan Neal to Ross Stewart, who cut in from the left um, and slotted home, and I mean, just showed that for me, like he's got such a range of of goals in him. Um, but he, yeah. he can't carry the team, can he, Paddy? I mean, Jesus, he he, he looked 
he looked like he was trying to. You know, he was pulled out the wing a lot as well. But that goal was that goal was quality. And what at that point did you think we were we were in with a chance? I did, yeah. Because I mean, I thought you know, um, you know, to I think to to go behind obviously at early doors without really getting going was a bit of a kick in the teeth. But yeah, obviously when when we did pull level, you're thinking, all right, so we've had a slow start, but you know we're back on track now. That's you know that's obviously the the sort of kick up the backside what we needed, and maybe sort of you know we're being reminded that we are going to be in for a tough afternoon here if we don't sort of step up to the mark and put in a performance like we have in, in other games this season. But, um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what you say about Stuart, you know I mean? He's he's not one of these, you know, he's, he's got the build of a striker who will, you know, thrive off only getting goals from balls in the box, like to his feet or in his head. But, I mean, goals like that yesterday, it's just like, he, he's, he's got a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is, it's good to see that, Obviously, he he's still firing them in, and you know, he's still creating chances, and he's getting on the end of them. But yeah, as you said, I mean, it was the the one bright spark in what was just a just a dire day really yesterday. But yeah, no, it was it, it was good good to see him. Obviously, keeping amongst the goals, it's just um, yeah, it's just a shame it didn't really matter in the end. Yeah, totally. It was good. It was good to see the brilliance of Daniel right through that goal. Yeah, I mean, it starts with him. He, he's quite deep. He he joins into the defense to get the ball initially. He pings it off, um, I McGeady. think, to McGeady. But what the, the best thing about it is, is he, he busts a gut to give McGeady another option. He gets into a decent position, gives it back to McGeady. McGeady then plays it off to Stewart on the left wing. And I mean, what a goal. Like, I, I, I totally agree with Paddy. This striker's got everything. Hmm. He's the one He's the one glimmer of light from that game because everybody else was poor, but he, he, was, he was very good. And I mean... When you when you look at the position, he picks the ball up, and he should he has no right to score from there. He's quite deep into, well, he's he's sort of just inside their half, maybe ten yards inside their half, fifteen yards inside their half, and he he takes people on like a like a wide player would. But then when he gets into a position to shoot, finishes brilliantly, and you've got to think as well, Rotherham don't concede a lot of goals, mm. so for for us to get and it was against the run of play. I think Lee Johnson said that after the game, it was against the run of play, but. Um, we we have got goals in us, and you know to get yourself back level, maybe tad fortunate because Rotherham were the better team. You, you then have to start again, and the, we'll come on to this. But the frustrating thing is, is that we didn't. We just we reverted back to the way the way we were before we before we scored that goal, and it was yeah, yeah. disappointing, but a great goal regardless. It was, um, and at that point, you know, we, I think we did we did push on a little bit. After that, we we had a, f- a few moves that looked reasonably promising, but we always looked vulnerable. And it was down the other flank that their second goal came. Um, uh, just again, another simple ball created a lot of space down the right, and it was a great ball in. To be fair, from um, was it from uh, Smith got uh, the ball in to Ladapo? Got it. Got. I'm not entirely sure who it was, but it was a good. It was a good ball. Um, but I just, yeah, I mean, the the I think Flanagan was poor for this mm. one, Rich. If I'm honest, I mean, we 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 shouldn't be allowing the cross regardless. But Tom Flanagan, if you watch the highlights back, he knows where Ladapo is the whole time. Mm-hmm. Whole time that moves progressing, he's with him. You know, it's not as if Ladapo's provided a late run and got into a good position or sort of some really good movement uh, to switch from one defender to Flanagan and and get into. A, he was literally with Flanagan right throughout that move. So for him to get goal side of Flanagan and get on the end of a cross is bad. Like that's just grade A 
defending really you, you, you should be shouldn't allow the striker that space at all regardless of how good the ball is as long as you're tight to him and it's like I say that was actually made it pretty simple for Flanagan to defend when you think about it because it's not like he's he's charged in late he's he's there the whole time so Tom Flanagan has to hold his hands up again for that one I think I think both goals poor yep certainly uh, and then soon after that literally as I was walking out um, we hit the post through um, Stuart I didn't quite see what was leading up to it because I was trying to get past uh, some arseholes at the time and <laughs> so have you seen that incident? I did yeah I mean we were pretty good after going 2-1 down we, we, we tried to get an equaliser but I think hitting the post knocked the wind out of our sails if I'm honest, yeah. honest Rich it was a good move but um, very unlucky from Stuart but we then we then sort of conceded a lot of possession straight afterwards so yeah frustrating Yep, second half. Let's go fly fly through it, shall we? <laughs> second <laughs> half, Paddy. Um, a string of string of goals. I was sat in the car listening to Radio Five. I couldn't find it on the local radio, and it was. Um, well, I mean, it was very fortunate that the Newcastle match was on commentary because that that brightened my mood just a little bit. Um, but uh, it was punctuated by a goal just after half time, and not long after half time, another one from from the flanks, Paddy. Just just not great defending. It wasn't. I mean, you know, it's just. I, I've I've sort of thought this season. You know, I've been. Uh, I've I've seen this a few times. Obviously, I watched it a couple of times on the streams. And as as good as we've been at defending um, in open play in some games, I've just I've always had like a bad feeling about us defending corners. Mm-hmm. And it, it, m- most of the time, like that that fear hasn't been justified. But like their third goal yesterday, it's just it's too easy. You you know, we're just. It's not even like. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a good header because it's in the six-yard box, and it's not like you know we've got defenders around them, but it's so it's so close to the goal, and I just it's I actually don't... Ross Stewart. It's actually Ross Stewart who loses them in the, in that one. Yeah, yeah. But it was Ross Stewart who who was marking them for, for. We actually realized we should put someone big on him, <laughs> but it didn't make a difference. That, that's the thing, because I mean, like you know, obviously, I think I'd agree with obviously like us hitting the posts and uh, knocked wind out our sails, but I think. To then concede a goal as, as soft as that from a set piece, it's just for me that's that's probably the one that kills it off because mm-hmm. I think to go two, to go two goals down away to team that just don't concede many goals at all, I think it's just it's just it's killed any kind of any sort of hope what we probably had of getting back into it and it's a shame because obviously there was still like what 30, 35 minutes left I think yeah. at, at that point but maybe even more to be honest but yeah it's just yeah it's just it's knocked any stuff and what we had left out of us and just sort of goes downhill from there, really, I think. It did. I mean, talking about going downhill, um, Ian McGeady picked up two quick yellow cards. The first half, he should have been booked for a pretty horrendous challenge that wasn't even given as a a foul, I don't think. Um, But he did pick up two yellow cards early in in the second half. The second one, I don't know what, the hell he was doing, Gav. I mean, you, you don't know. expect that. You don't. Well, you don't expect that from your most experienced player, do you? Nah, that that. What's he playing? Looking at? at that back. Obviously, I wasn't there at the time. But looking at that back, I mean, even if he hadn't nearly took the chopped the lad in half, if it just fouling somebody there is ridiculous, given the fact that we've been under so much pressure from from balls into the box. But he he nearly snapped the lad in in two. He looked. He, I don't know if he if he continued on, but he looked like he'd been hurt. And they were pretty no, angry it about caught, it. It caused hell on. There was a big melee with yeah. all the players and stuff. Yeah, the lad carried on. He did carry on. But um, 
don't I don't think you expect that from your most experienced player. I mean, we've pointed out that with some of the goals, the, some of the the least experienced players could have done better. But I think when you look at it, the the two most experienced heads on the pitch, I would say, before Evans came on, will have been Flanagan and McGeady. Mm-hmm. Both really let themselves down, and I think a lot of people have been calling for Aidan McGeady to maybe come out of the team and for us to use him differently. And he doesn't do himself any favours when he's doing stuff like that because he just doesn't need to do it. I know he might be frustrated. I know he's a winner and he doesn't like he doesn't like losing. You could see where the game was heading. But I mean, his reaction after he made the foul, he knew what was cut. It was like he was devastated. His head was in his hands. He was mm. gutted, absolutely gutted that he'd done it. And maybe it was just a moment of madness. But the reason he's in the team is to provide us with the experience that those younger lads need and. You just don't want to see that or need to see that from him, and he's gonna he's gonna miss out for a game now, and it's his own stupid fault, and he he, he needs to have a, a real think about where he wants to go from here because we've got January right around the corner, and I think one thing that we can all maybe agree is that we might possibly need another wide player, and you know he's not done himself any favors whatsoever by doing that. Paddy, do you see him uh, getting his players back in the team after this suspension? Because there's been a lot of talk about him. Um, been used as an impact sub. A lot of talk about the fact that he is really not helping his full-back at all. Um, and, and obviously, Jack, who didn't either. And maybe we can talk about the balance of the team as well. But do you see him getting his place back? Maybe if Broadhead's back in the in contention uh, in, the, in the coming weeks? To be honest, I think McGeady this season, it's just... You just can't... It's hard to figure out what's going on. I mean... We've seen some of our players putting really, really good performances and we're used to having McGeady as that one player who used to stand out. You know what I mean? For in, I know, especially in, in the first season, League One, where we get the point where he was our go-to guy. You know, we pass the ball to McGeady and then sort of like almost just kind of hope he does something with it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that now like the team's kind of... I think it's a case of the team and the way we play has sort of moved forward and he hasn't. I, I don't know. I've I've I've, al- I've always thought McGeady. He, he's always put a shift in when he's played. He's always looked like he's wanted to play for me. But I mean, things like yesterday. You know, I mean, you can almost justify like one of the younger lads putting in a tackle like that, almost. Mm-hmm. But as he said, for somebody like McGeady to do that, it's just it's it's not acceptable. Especially you know at a time when we're three one down, we're struggling, and then he goes and puts us down to ten men and just just puts us even more in the mire. So, I I don't know. I mean, I would like to see Broadhead come straight back in as, as soon as he's fit because yeah. of what I've seen of him, he's a really exciting player. And I think it's things like this where, you know, it, I think McGeady sort of needs to realise that he, he isn't undroppable. And I think it's going to be interesting to see sort of how we how we set up, obviously, without McGeady in a, in the next game. It'll be interesting. Completely. And, and, you know, a couple of people on Twitter, I think John Ridley's asked if he should be... Um, captaining the team, it wasn't great leadership. Um, quickly, Gav, do you do you think if if he's in the side with an all nine or a, or an Evans that and I know he's he's nominally captain, but Evans is club captain. Would you is he shown that leadership because he doesn't seem to be for, not from in that my, moment he didn't that. no not at all. Um, like I say, he needs to go away and have a think about what he wants to do from here and yeah. you know maybe con- consider his own role in the team because. I don't know what it is about McGeady, but even if he's half fit, he plays. And he's been a cracking player for us since we signed him, and I, and I love him. I think he's a great. That, that moment of madness doesn't define no, his no. time at Sunderland whatsoever. But 
we have to really start thinking very carefully now about what what we want from the squad for the rest of the season with January around the corner. Definitely. And uh, his his role is one of the most contentious because I'm I'll be honest I'm not impressed with our wide options even though we've had a good season so far. He's been very underwhelming despite the fact he's got some assists this year. Gooch hasn't been fit when he has played. He's been crap. Diaku looks better as a substitute in my opinion, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cast too many aspersions on them there. Uh, O'Brien is a workhorse that doesn't provide really much to the to the goal tally or the assist tally, and um, I've probably forgot somebody. But I mean, I'm not impressed with with our wide options this yeah. season. I can't can't deny it, and I think I think we've got to now start thinking about do we need a wide player in January, and these lads need to start proving why we shouldn't go out and sign somebody because I mean you look at Jack Diamond's gone to Harrogate now and tearing it up in League 2 and I'm starting to think we could probably do with him at the minute yeah I mean it's it's been an interesting one because obviously we had Embleton in the kind of 10 role yesterday rather than out wide and as a couple of people on Twitter have been suggesting that Embleton might be more effective from the wing and, and particularly I, I know at the Wickham game when he played on the right he was combining really well with Winchester and with Dan Neal down that side and, and obviously scored a, a screamer cutting in from the right. So maybe there's there's something there. It's about that mix of those players playing behind the uh be, behind the striker. We'll we'll quickly uh touch on the last couple of goals. Another one, uh Paddy, the fourth, another ball in the box, not dealt with with a goal. It's a, I mean just rinse and repeat, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it's just woeful. I mean, when when that ball comes in, it it feels like it just it hangs in the air for mm-hmm. so long, and it it feels like our defenders have have maybe got got themselves like set to to defend the goal, and then they end up just being second to the ball, and all of a sudden we're we're four one down, and then it's just you know everybody's sort of looking around for somebody to blame, and it's like well, you know, it's just. There was, there was three players in particular, Paddy, who let themselves down on that goal for me. Neil and Evans back off. They give, they give the crosser 10, 15 yards of space to yeah. put the ball in the box. This is after we've already conceded a few goals from crosses in the box. Give up. Totally give up and bottled it by that point. And then Bailey Wright is just pathetic. Absolutely pathetic in his defending of the goal. I mean, Smith bullies him and sends him to the floor like he's nothing. Like he's a little... Just back the front, a crap goal to concede. And I mean, I know... I know there's a tendency to switch off when you go behind, but we were only two goals behind and you should never, especially as a team going for a league title against a promotion rival, you should never give up at that stage in the game. We did. Um, and like I say, we've, we're happy to dish the praise out to players. I know Daniel's only a young boy. With him and Evans in that moment, they, they, they didn't show the desire to stop the cross. And when the cross did go into the box, we didn't deal with it. And your most experienced centre-half there, Bailey Wright, is just flung to one side like he's out. Hmm. Uh, just... I mean, it doesn't it doesn't fill me with any joy to point this out, but it was it was poor, pathetic actually. Yep, not much more I can see on that. wasn't there just seeing the highlights like <laughs> <laughs> of of that. Um, and then the fifth, neither of us were there to see, um, which I think the less said. I've only just watched. I've only just watched. Le- less said about the better. <laughs> yeah. um, a little a little bit of maybe inexperience um, from from Torben Hoffman. Um, it's going to happen. You playing out, playing out from the back. Not that we did that consistently. Um, you get, you get caught, and they slotted home. It's five. Everyone leaves. So let's not let's not deal with uh, any more of that misery. Um, let's look at Tuesday, shall we? Um, because Yay, Tuesday, because I mean, it's a chance <laughs> to get out of our system. 
back in South Yorkshire, just a few miles uh, away from where we were um, on Saturday at Sheffield Wednesday. Another big crowd going down, hopefully not the Saturday crowd, more the uh, diehards uh, who, who go down on, on, on a Tuesday night. I think we sold 3,500 tickets for that, so we're going to be well represented. There's a question coming on, on, on our Twitter about whether we should play the the midweek team and whether that that midweek team it's Andrew and Andy Utes uh, on Twitter as uh, said whether we need to uh, play that midweek team maybe there's there's players like Alves who need to be given more of a an opportunity and Paddy uh, one one thing that's been going around as well is whether Dan Neal should be playing in that ten role. And that we need to firm up the midfield. So, uh, what are your thoughts ahead of Tuesday in terms of like team selection? Uh, yeah, I, I do like this idea of us having like a uh, the, the idea of like the midweek team because if you think about it, sort of it's a team where it, it is. Let's be honest, it is made up of sort of the the fringe players, especially with Alves, who personally, when I've seen him play, he looks pretty solid. And to be honest, he's probably like sat watching watching back that game. Today and he's probably thinking, well, I don't think I'm, I'm f- like far behind the centre halves we've got like starting in the sort of so-called Saturday team, if you like. Um, but no, I, I do think it, it will be important to to make a couple of changes. To be honest, I, across the pitch, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've seen Neil uh, occasionally playing this number ten role, and he, he's you know he's an exciting player. He he gets at defences and. I think that's probably exactly the kind of sort of injection of sort of enthusiasm what what we maybe need and and for me personally um I, I would I would like to see Evans start I I just think to be honest of, of what I've seen of some some of the other players who played in that position they they've just been getting bullied and I, I I'm not exactly saying Evans is going to be any different but I just think it's it's time for a change you know I mean you know, I was at the I was at the Charlton game um last weekend and. Like oh nine in midfield, it might have just been a one off, but Jaden Stockley just he he had his life, just mm. every every challenge and every time oh nine was on the ball, Stockley was on top of him and he was just getting no support around him and I don't know, I just I think it's it's just time to to make a couple of these changes and you know maybe to take just a little bit of a gamble, but at the same time I don't really see it as a gamble because we know how good these fringe players can be. They just haven't been getting the chance because you know we've been sticking to a relatively solid kind of um, starting league team. But um, I, I don't think you know we don't need to make wholesale changes. But something different is you know is definitely in order for the Sheffield wins again. Gav, do you think? I mean, the the idea of switching from the four two three one to more of a four three three. Have to, have to, mate. Sorry, we have to. You have to make something different happen. When you concede five goals, yeah. because we were far too easily. I mean, Chef Wed will be licking their lips watching the highlights of that game, won't they? All you got to do is get down the sides and put crosses into the box. That's all you got to do against mm-hmm. us. So we need we need to shore it up in every position. Unfortunately, and if if we only get a point, we only get a point. We have to just get back to to remembering the basics of football, because when you when you concede five goals, there's there's no excusing it really. And uh, just to touch on what you said about Alves there. The, the guys came in and waited very patiently since he came in in August and is waiting to start league games. And after conceding five game, uh, five goals where I think a central defender for four of them was at fault, 
he has, you, you have to make changes. It's otherwise why why bring the guy in? Mm. He must be sitting there thinking, when am I going to get me chance if I don't get it now? He's performing, isn't he? He's performing. He performed against absolutely um, QPR. Look, look. Yeah. Look so I would bring, I would bring in I would bring in Alves definitely. I wouldn't change any wouldn't change any of the rest of the defense or the goalkeeper. I think you know bring him in for maybe I don't know whether Doyle could do with a game out. Mm. I look. I think he's a great player, but we've got to remember his age and he's played a lot of football. So I wouldn't be adverse to putting him in and maybe pairing him with probably with Flanagan. I think Flanagan's had a good season. He had a really bad game yesterday, but he. He had a good. He's had a good season, and we can't forget that. Um, I would play Evans in front of him with with Dan Neal, and because of lack of options, O nine. I think O nine's another one who I've defended a lot, but hasn't been great the last few games. But he is, to be honest, better when he's in a three. And I think I think Evans as that base will just give us a lot more solidity. I'd play Gooch wide because Gooch gives us a lot of defensive cover, which is clearly what we need based on what we saw at Rotherham. Um, McGeady will naturally drop out, so there's Gucci's position in the side. I would imagine with, I wouldn't be adverse to put no. I don't. I'm not a big fan of him, but O'Brien maybe in for Diaku just to again a bit more Absolutely. cover out wide. Um, Embleton in behind Stewart, and that would be my team. But I, I mean, Embleton was sacrificed at half time, wasn't he? So maybe, maybe he wasn't um, impressing the manager particularly, and maybe get. I don't know if he's fit, but get Pritchard, get Pritchard in the team possibly. I do. There needs to be changes because yeah. if you don't make changes after such a heavy defeat, it's going to send the wrong message to your fringe players. Completely, and and like like Paddy said, I think we can't get Nathan Broadhead back quickly enough at the minute. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for what looked a, a pretty innocuous little um, strain, he's now been out for a good amount of time, and and getting him back is going to be absolutely crucial because I do think in terms of the quality that he offers and just as another outlet and and to give give Ross Stewart a bit more support in terms of going forward and having you know another body in the box and somebody he can link up with I don't think we've got anyone better at the club so I mean I was going to touch on January transfers but I think we've talked a little bit about where we need to strengthen Paddy do you have yeah. a do you have any like any real screaming out areas of the pitch that just need we we just need more bods I mean, Gav's mentioned possibly in the middle of the park, possibly out wide. Uh, anything else that's uh, screaming out for you? Um, I mean, it's it's probably a, it's it's a bad question to ask after we've just been yeah. dumped. But um, now, nah, to be honest, I I think out wide probably slightly um, more of a concern than um, the middle of the park. I think at, at, the, at the club we have got. We have got plenty of midfield players who I think on the day are are good enough to, to start and help us to, to win matches. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just out, out wide. I mean, Dejaku, he's, he's so frustrating because he, he comes off the bench in his class and everybody goes, oh, good, let's get him started. And then he starts and he just, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he just, if he just thrives on like coming on and just knowing that he only has sort of like, 20 minutes, half an hour to make an impression. But when he starts, he just he feels like he just has a completely different approach. I, I don't know if, if if Lee Johnson tells him something different when he starts or or if it's just like in his mind where he's just, he's used to, yeah, just having like these these sort of short, sharp um, periods on the pitch. But I think, you know, he's, he's going to be a good player and he's going to do a lot for us this season. But I just think, yeah, in general, we just, when we're struggling to get the ball at the box... 
and create chances. You know, you, you look at the wide players and as we said, you know, some of them, they don't have a lot going for them when they're playing out wide. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where you'd start. I don't know what kind of wide play we need is. But yeah, I think we just, we need we need to have a fresh look at it, I think. See, for me, I think we actually do have a lot of options across uh, across that kind of the supporting three and it's finding the right combination of them and for me actually if we're going to strengthen anywhere it will be bringing in a, a, a another option up front and bringing in a, a somebody with a bit more steel and a bit more um, physicality in the middle of the park just in, in order to kind of control games a bit more I don't think we've seen the best of Corey Evans yet um, and we are still. The problem is Richie's always injured. Yeah, that's the problem. And this is the thing: somebody, a, a lot of them are like glass at the minute. We're picking up injuries really quickly. We know we brought in some players like Evans, who've not had a, a fantastic injury record overall, and Pritchard as well. So you know, maybe there's there's a little bit needs to be done in January. I was at a dinner on on Friday night where um, Christian Speakman was was talking, and it was clear that they will look again. In January, and I think uh, from Johnson's comments uh, after the match as well, it's quite clear that they're, they're looking at whether they've got the right people because there's been a couple of games now where we've been tonked. All right, one was in, on a, a playing water polo, but um, it, it's it's not good to be skinned like we were yesterday. So that isn't a very positive podcast, Sunderland fans, but there won't be too much to be positive <laughs> about on Saturday. Hopefully the uh, lasses will give us more to cheer about um, this Sunday afternoon uh, when they're taking on uh, Charlton. Obviously this will go out after that, so hopefully uh, Melrea's side have given us summit to cheer about this weekend as Sunderland fans. And on Tuesday we'll have another game. We'll be able to put this one behind us. Yeah, build build back, I guess, a little bit and, and, and go again and pick up. You know, did you did you nearly say build back better there? Yeah, you I said build back, that, build back better, build back better. God, that <laughs> never lived that down. Well, we've ended on I'd, I'd never never lived that down at work, mate. Uh, if I'd said that, so um, yeah, nearly did. So yeah, so uh, we'll be back uh, after the Sheffield game. Uh, and we'll be building towards the weekend as well and there'll be loads of stuff on the website I'm sure we'll be analysing uh, both the men's and the women's performances and speak to you all later Tara. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.